What's up guys, it's the, it's the night before Passover and I've got everything I need to find that last bit of hummates. I've got, got the feather, I've got a candle, I've got a spoon to, to brush the, the last bit of hummates into. I've got the, I've got the bracha, right? So, right after we, we do Ma'ariv, Right, we search all the apartments of the house for leavened bread and make sure not even the smallest piece of leaven chametz remains in the house. Right, traditionally, this search is conducted by the light of a candle and the chametz, the, the grains, is swept up with a feather onto a wooden spoon which is then burned the following morning. So the chametz, not the spoon. Okay, a blessing should not be recited in vain, so a few pieces of bread are left around commandment is to remove the leaven and that way it can be fulfilled okay so a friend Jewish friend says at 40 it's time to come up with the the alt-right Haggadah so with the alt-right Haggadah we ask why is this outgroup different from all other outgroups just kidding they're all the same alright so why on this night do we me measure verbal and spatial IQ when on all other nights it's just spatial, right? So on the Seder plate of the alt-right Passover Seder, we've got a branch of eucalyptus. Why do we have a branch of eucalyptus? Because eucalyptus are an invasive species and they can run wild in certain environments, giving rise to the eucalyptus question, and they can they can destroy the native vegetation and outcompete the natives for access to water. So these invasive species can just run wild. Now, invasive species have a time and a place, right? But you may want to like have certain preserves free from invasive species. This is the eucalyptus question. And then you do Lashana, Lashana Haba Ba Charlottesville. Then before we break the middle matzah, we will read a passage from Duvid's Multiple Truth Hypothesis. And then we will all get it together and we'll talk about what's worse for your health, to, to drink four full cups of mega high sugar grape juice or four cups of dry red wine, 11% alcohol. So is it, is it better to get diabetes or cirrhosis? And, and what's up with Trump's own social network, Truth? Why, why is Truth in the oven? What happened to that? And uh, friends, they're really enjoying the panic over Elon Musk buying Twitter. Reminds me of 2016. You think Elon Musk is doing this for his own profit? He's trying to save the country, guys. So Ann Coulter has already given the nod to DeSantis. So Maddie Iglesias tweets, what is the free speech on Twitter dispute actually about in concrete terms? Trump's deactivation in the New York Post story about Hunter's laptop. And Ann Coulter tweets, no, it's about Gavin McGuinness, Babylon B, Libs of TikTok, Laura Luma, Alex Jones, Milo Yiannopoulos, Katie Hopkins, Chuck Johnson, Jesse Kelly, and so on and so on. So Matty Iglesias says, Twitter might just be better as a totally non-moderated, non-algorithmic, one-to-many broadcasting platform where you follow who you want to see and 
any of their tweets. Uh, Lady Iglesias says, uh, in response to Ann Corter, my guess is silencing right-wing creeps while letting tankies, who are tankies, run wild is net good for Republicans. Less moderation, less algorithmic amplification, and return to something closer to the traditional reverse chronological timeline would be good. Uh, you're probably thinking, what's on Richard Spencer's page? Uh, Michael tweets, Big Tech has no, had no interest in censoring. Their terms of service weren't enforced until 2017. The GOP-led bipartisan Congress ordered Big Tech to censor Russian disinformation, so they hired personnel to enforce that demand, and they used that crew to start enforcing other violations. And uh, Richard responds to Queen Anne, like, pretty pathetic when this is the nonsense you're fighting for. Gavin McGuinness, Babylon B, Libs of TikTok. Chuck Johnson, did you forget that Baked Alaska is banned too? And uh, Colin Liddell tweets, people getting jacked by Musk taking over Twitter, pushing free speech. But most of the censorship has been driven by the U.S. government pressure to counter Russian disinformation. So Musk's free speech agenda sets up a clash with the U.S. government. And Antonio Garcia Martinez tweets, if Elon takes over, there will be a slew of left-wing gabs and parlors. As a super woke threatened to leave Twitter, they'll all fail, just like the right-wing versions did. And it'll be glorious to watch the just build your own people sulk and wail. Edward Dutton says, if I were a Saudi prince, I'd want to keep the Western world woke and impotent as well. And uh, Richard Spencer still, still not getting on truth, right? His profile has been successfully created. Thank you for joining. Due to massive demand, we have placed you on our wait list. We love you, and you're not just a number to us. But your wait list number is below, number 494,227. So Richard says, I'm not a Elon Musk fanboy, but his purchasing of Twitter would be a good thing. I hope it happens. It's sad in a way that digital public space square needs to be rescued by a libertarian billionaire, but so be it. Shows the utter failure of Trump, who was elected through social media, to solve this problem through clear and reasonable legislation. Yes, we get it. Twitter is a private company. It's ridiculous to think that it doesn't have a public function. Regulating and protecting speech on digital platforms isn't far more important than protecting speech in public parks or sidewalks. Trump ultimately had no real agenda or vision, thus leaves no legacy. He addressed the digital platform question by threatening the end of Section 230, the opposite of what should be done, and building his own grift boondoggle truth. Now, criticisms of Musk, but he clearly wants to accomplish something in this sphere, and that's a good thing. That's a pretty good analysis there. Bye-bye.